In this bonus episode, we talk to investment advisor Shariel Plowden about her upcoming podcast, Positive Paychecks. Podcast World, this is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. But today we're not talking to a Black-owned business just yet. Today we are talking to a Black idea, and we love to empower Black ideas. Today we have Ms. Shariel Plowden here in the cabin studio. Shariel! Hello, Podcast World. I'm so excited to be here today. So we're here tonight. It's after 10 on a Saturday evening, and we're talking about podcasting right you, you want to start your own podcast yes Charyl, why do you want to start your own podcast because i love sharing information i love meeting people and sharing ideas and bouncing ideas off of each other and people always says you have a great voice you should get into radio or tv or something like that and while that's cool i was like i want to do something for my own i want something where i'm in control and I said a podcast would be the great way for me to cover all those areas. You know, it's interesting, Cheryl. The first time I met you, I remember I was invited to this random GMB finance seminar conference or something. Right? I was like, all right, at least I'll, I'll go, I'll go, whatever. So, you know, me and a partner from work, he doesn't work there anymore, but we went down there when he sat in and I was like, you know, this... This young girl could real present, like, because at the time I was very uncomfortable with public speaking and everything. And I'm looking at you, and you could just see that you're just bubbling over with information and your presentation and everything. You're making jokes and everything. Like, you really owned your contents. And while you were presenting, I was just wondering, okay, how much preparation did she put in? Like, what was her process like? I was literally in awe. I was watching. I was like, wait, I could learn from this person, you know. So. How did you get to that point? Because you were just telling me that you you were nervous about doing a podcast. But to me, I, I can't fathom you being scared or nervous or apprehensive about public speaking. So the funny thing is, when I was throughout my schooling life, primary school and secondary school, call upon Shariel to do anything in front of the class, tears. Until today, my friends still joke about it. But at some point, I went to Germany to study and we had this class called Public Speaking. And I was the only Black person in the class. I used to own it. We used to have to every week present on a new topic. And I presented topics from how Black people could own the word. Listen. You did that to the people in the German class? I did that in the people. Everybody just dropped, but the teacher, she had a big smile on her face. And one of my colleagues in the cohort, he said, best person to speak about it. You did excellent. He was like, that's, you know, the white elephant. Because all of us love rap music. But whenever that word comes up, we have to get silent. But he said, a lot of Germans, we're not like, of course, in Berlin and stuff, they're racist. But in Cologne, they said, we're open. You Is know? it not racist in, in Berlin? You know, in Berlin, they are. Uh-huh. In Cologne, they're not. That's that, weird because Cologne is more like the countryside, right? That's where you see a lot less black people. Berlin is, Berlin is like the city. That's where all the tourists and everybody will come in. So a funny story about Cologne. So Cologne, Dortmund, Dusseldorf, all those places, back in the days, gays, blacks, and all the people were sent there to hide from the Nazis. So the people from Cologne and stuff used to hide them there. So in Cologne, you would find 
meet like mainly gays and then blacks and well of course but it's a sprinkling of blacks just come on it's germany right more right. dortmund you'll see a whole heap load from like um ivory coast and those african and cameroon continent. and, all these and, cameroon and right. right so and that's how it happened you know in that class i spoke about sweatshops I literally, I spoke about all those controversials and difficult to discuss topics. I went up there and present and that is where I started getting the confidence and learning to public speak. And since then, I fell in love. Okay. All right. So we, we understand where you get this joy for public speaking and this bravery for public speaking and everything, right? But... It's really about the passion for your topic too, right? And I and I saw that that day in that JMB conference room and you were talking about personal finance, right? Were you always passionate about personal finance? Did you study finance in school? Like, how do we get there? So, no, I did not. Funny story, I got into finance. So my dad died and uh, he died so suddenly that everybody was like, okay, how are we going to survive? What are we going to do? So I was about 18 years old, just finished A-levels. And I decided, here's what, we need to start putting things in order. I mean, he had insurance and stuff, but we all know money is finished real quick. Mm -hmm. So I started just online, you know, looking up things, personal finance. But I realized most of these things are tailored to the U.S. Like, what is a 401k? What is a Roth IRA? <laughs> like, what are these things? So I started you know, looking locally, just going around to investment houses, speaking to personal finance, speaking to a lot of people in insurance and just started collecting information and data. And then in 2015, for the NGL IPO, I was hired by GMMB. And my CEO at the time, he saw that passion. He saw how blue eyed and bushy tail I was. And he was like, here's what, I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to teach you all that I know. And that's how the journey began. And there was no stopping from since then to now. It's literally my life. All the books that I read, all my Google searches, everything is on personal finance and how to build that generational wealth. All right. So, I mean, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. So on this journey, would you say your personal finances have improved significantly just by employing the lessons you have learned throughout your research? Or are you still trying to fiddle around and find a way? What's happening? Well, personal finance, definitely at each stage in your life, it will change, but it has definitely improved significantly for my age. Like in terms of like my peers, when I tell them how much I have saved and stuff, they tend to look at me like, are you for real? Or when I present in front of audiences, even some people older than me is like, how? Because I actually take care of my two siblings financially. They're like, wait, so you taking care of a family, paying bills like everybody else. And still manage to save on stuff because I just employ simple rules. One of them is I think selfishly, but I act selflessly. And what that means is I pay myself this. So when that salary comes, I make sure that Shari Applaud and who work hard for this money gets her money first. And then Masi and T and Tech and Was and everybody else could get their money after. But Shariel needs to get her cut and I do 20% and I stick to that. 
But that Sharia they're talking about, you have to be careful, right? That Sharia they're talking about is the future Sharia. It's not, that's not Sharia now. That's not Sharia's no, nails. That's not Sharia's hair. That's not her, her makeup or whatever or her travels or anything. That's, no. that's Sharia 10 years from now who might say, Sharia, I might need her money in 10 years and okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. And also little Sharia's who might come up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yes, definitely I've learned delayed gratification. And in terms of, as you said, the hair and the makeup and stuff, I sacrifice 30% for the little lifestyle and then 50% for my essential expenditures. And I stick to that form of budgeting. 50 essential, 30 lifestyle, 20 me. 20 future you. Future me. <laughs> in that future you, mean, is that savings? Is, is that investments or is that a combination of both? It's a combination of all. I mean, to me, investing is transforming your savings into wealth. So I figure I'm going to save 30000 for emergency. Anything in excess of that 30000 I then transform that into investments. So let's say for a series of six months, I save about 60000 let's just say. That additional thirty that I don't need for my emergency expenses, I would put it in let's say stocks. And then next month, if I save an extra 10, I will put it in the credit union. And let's say if I want to do a bond and it's 50,000 to do a bond, I will save up the amount and then I'll put it in a bond. And I stick to that with a lot of discipline. And that's how we do it. Okay. And how do you go about selecting which stocks, which bonds I mean? Cause so they're risky stocks. They're not so risky stocks. They're safe stocks. They're government bonds. <laughs> so like, how do you decide how I'm going to allocate this Say 10%, because yeah, the 10% going to emergency, right? This 10% that you have, you have to play with. How do you allocate that? How do you decide how to allocate that? Right. So I do a lot of research. That's one. Luckily, because I work in an investment firm, we put out research. So I would see their recommendations, see if it fits into my risk profile, because that's important. So I'm young, so I'm a little aggressive. I also look at things with dividends, because of course, you know, you need to supplement the income. So I look at high paying dividends sometimes. I look at the management of the company because that is so important. I need to make sure that the current board of directors are people that are trustworthy. So I do a lot of research on them. If possible, I could meet with them. You know, Chanel is a small place. You might, I rub shoulders with a few of them before, ask them specific questions. If I don't like that answer, I don't care what your book's saying. I can't trust that, you know, you're going to seek the company's best and just because one scandal, I mean, Trinidad is not so susceptible to news and scandals and stuff, but we could reach there at a point. And then too, of course, you want to be a conscious investor. So yeah, that's how I go about choosing my stocks. It requires a lot of research. It's not an overnight decision. And of course, I look to a time horizon. So I look, okay, companies like First Citizens Bank, I know for sure with their history and stuff, they're going to be here for another 25 years. So I look at the long term. Yeah, and Mace, you made a very important point. You know, you have to look for managers who will be great stewards of your capital as investors, right? You don't want managers who just kind of, who's shaky or who's short-termist, just looking after their own self-interest and whatnot. Okay, that's very important. Okay, so yesterday, mm-hmm. yesterday was TEDx for the Spain 2019 Yes, right. it was. The theme was opportunity. And I understand this was your first TEDx experience. It was my first TEDx experience and it was fantastic. It blew my mind. 
Okay. So why you never went to Tennessee before and what made you decide to go this year? So funny story. Last year, I got my company, I asked them to donate to TEDx in the form of buying tickets for team members to attend. And uh, up to this day, I don't know if they did, if they followed through, because I mean, I said, and when you'll get, I want to get one. Not sure what happened. I think they did and I think they attended, but unfortunately I didn't and I couldn't get the time off to go. And I did not know they existed. I mean, it was your podcast that really introduced me. So I loved the interview with Keita Deming. I mean, I saw the videos, but I thought it was like a one-off because I saw Jillian Lockie's TED Talk. So I thought it was a one-off. Didn't realize it was reoccurring. So I was like, wait now. And then missed that opportunity. And I said, you know what? I ain't missing this thing again. So your girl locked in and secured her personality. And she went to her TEDx. And I'm so happy that I did. Okay, so what talks did you like? What inspired you? Because I uh, sat on behind you in the TEDx and I, I just saw you writing those feverishly when everybody was talking. I, I'm like, wait, some of these are kind of boring. What is she writing? You know, so like, what was it for you? Listen to me. My friends today, they asked me how it went. And I sent them about 10 voice notes, each three to five minutes long about each talk because everyone resonated with me in one way, form or fashion. So Gregory Abood, his own was really good. Well, let's stop on Gregory Booth for a second. Okay, so Gregory Booth came and spoke about the elite in Trinidad and Tobago, right? And which of he's a member of, yes. right? But he said he's holding his elite peers accountable for, well, I guess, was the unequal distribution of income in the country and the, the vast disparities in which the elite live and how they live in, the, in their quality of life and the people are the lower echelons of the income class, right? Mm -hmm. There's an argument to be made and there's one one person, a, a friend of mine, actually, you know, you saw me post um, Gregory Boots, a quotable from him in yes. my story. And he said, hey, but I mean, it's almost kind of hypocritical. Like, you know, where is he coming from? Where does he get off? So what was your take on Gregory Boots' talk yesterday? So my main takeaway from it, because of course my sister as well said, as you're saying, he's a part of the 1%. What is he doing, you know, to help the society? But my main takeaway from it was his talk about the constitution and rewriting the constitution, because I've always agreed with that. When laws are being passed in Trinidad, it's always the majority, which is a ruling party, and our 11 independent senators not really making much of a great impact. And it's like, we need to do, we need a whole constitutional reform in this country, because right now, Trinidadians are just existing. We are not living. We're just existing. And I think our politicians need to realize that and have some sort of constitutional reform. Okay. Gregory also spoke about us taking our own action, right? And I saw you took some action yesterday, right? So you're at your first TEDx. They made an announcement saying, hey, if anybody wants to come and talk for a minute, put your name in a basket and you'll talk after lunch. After lunch, I'm looking around. I say, wait, no, I see Shariel's sister. I see her brother. Where's Shariel? Shariel is one of the five who's about to talk. Tell us about that. Listen to me. When my name called, it was the second name to call. And my little brother, he believes he spoke it into existence because he was like, just before she called my name, he was like, Shariel Plowden. And then we hear Sherelle Plowden. And I was like, wow, 
dream come true. I mean, my dopamine levels were out of this world. I went there. I was so excited. I almost fell on the stairs. Like it was just a dream come true. Okay. And uh, when I went over there, I was like, okay, wait. So what are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I was like, Cheryl, you have all the wheel of content. I mean, I've been producing content. As I said, these are topics that I've well researched. So I just went into my Google Docs and I had so many topics I could have talked about. So I just met my sister. I was like, which one do you like between two? And she said, which one she liked. And I went with the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you go with the opposite? Because the first one talked about mental health and what organizations are not doing to help their workers deal with mental health. And that was a topic two other persons before me spoke about. And the other one was personal finance, which nobody touched on. I mean, Suzanne Francois talked about a cashless society, but that's not really personal finance. That's not personal finance. You know? It's fintech. Exactly. So I was like, and this is something that you know, this is something that you well research. Do what you know, you know, stick to what you know. Yes, I do know a lot about mental health and stuff because I did psychology at university. I did marketing, but personal finance is where the passion is. And well, you tell us, how did I do? This is not a quantum scheme. <laughs> it's the law of 72, which allows you to invest any amount of money and double it in 7.2 years at a rate of 10%. Now, I know what you're all are thinking. Which bank in Trinidad, Tobago, or financial institution offers 10% retreat? Well, our local stock market offers 12% year-on-year growth for your investment. So for a change, wouldn't it be nice for your money to work for you instead of you working for it? So you spoke about the power of 72. You double your money in 7.2 years and essentially earning 10% per annum on your investment. Yes. And you said that our local stock market can actually give you 12% return. Yeah, on yeah. Yeah, on yeah. How? Okay, so that's looking at the entire market as a whole. So that's not one particular stock. Although they have some outlier stocks on our stock market that could well give you those types of returns, but it's not sustainable. So you won't get it. Like NGL, since 2015, up until earlier this year, it was at 55%, which is very high. But then we saw it kind of pull back on us and it's now at 25. But that's a buying opportunity. But again, some people would look at that as a loss, but you don't really lose, lose until you sell. So that 12% is a combination of the entire market. So if somebody were to dip a little bit in each source, they will realize that 12%. But when you meet with a personal advisor, we will be able to tell you how you can do this thing and realize a 10% without having to dip in all these sources. Interesting because, so I've listened to a few personal finance podcasts based in the United States, you know, Roth and, um, and IRA and these guys, IRA, whoever, right? <laughs> and they, a lot of the common advice is, hey, invest in the index, invest in the S&P 500 and go about your business. You always actually say the same thing, right? Yes. So you earn 12% by investing in the local stock market. So you invest in the TT Comp Index or whoever. You, we could just right. go to bed at night and that's okay, cool. And yeah. Be winning. 
Yes, you know, exactly. More than 0.4% of the bank payers. 0.4 now? I thought it was 0.1. <laughs> 0.42 or whatever it is. <laughs> or the 1.25 that, that some of the mutual fund Funds, places yeah. will, will, um, will pay us. Am I going to release this? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. You want to start your podcast and you said you have three seasons worth of content already planned out. Yes. So how long have you been planning this out? I've been planning this, if I'm being very honest with you, since the day I've met you. Because you introduced me to your podcast and I've listened to it from that day one and I enjoyed it. And I was like, Shariel, but this is exactly the solution to your problem. You know, you can do this. Look, somebody is close to you, tried and tested and it's... They're doing it. So from then, I did some more research into it. I started planning topics and I've been planning and planning and planning, speaking to people, just as you said you did. And uh, here we are with three seasons, with 12 episodes per season. Some have a little more. I feel like season three, I went ham and I, <laughs> I got <laughs> up to like 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, you know, these things could be chopped down and okay. maybe a season four. Okay, this is really true. And, and I respect that you came across here after 10 on a Saturday night just to talk about podcasts and just to, you know, figure out how to get your podcast off the ground. I really respect that. You know, Not I did sure. a similar, I did something similar on a Sunday evening when I wanted to start off here in Paulage. I went down to my cousin in Coover. I think that was the last time I went to Coover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was about 35 minutes away, maybe. And I spent a few hours there and he showed me how to use the editing software and everything. And, you know, he's walking me through it. And he's like, all right, nice. Uh, you know, he loaned me a, a microphone to use and came back and, all right, I'll, let me get started with this. So and I respect press that. Play. Press play. Well, press record. Um, <laughs> but tell me about your season arc. So you have three seasons. So what, I mean, I, I know you'll have an overarching topic for a season and then you'll have like little subsections, almost like we talk about as chapters in a book. Yes. You know, and I expect that you write a book at some point in time. Later I want on. to. You will. All right. So tell me, what is season one going to be like? What are, we, what are we talking about? So season one will be an introduction. So people, because of course I'm giving you financial information. You have to be able to trust me. So you have to know me. You have to get to know the person that is advising you. How did we start? So I'm going to introduce how I, with my dad, you know, I'm going to get really raw and let Stories. the world know. I love yes. That. Let the world know how this happened. How was I able to go away and study and do all these things with my father just dying everything. So I'm going to really lay down the cards. Then I'm going to go into the strict budgeting rules that I have for myself. Then I'm going to go into the different places that I house my money and the different funds that I have. So emergency, future Shariel, as we like to call it. If I have a child, when I get married, my wedding fund, literally I have it all mapped out. I have each bucket. I call them my little buckets and I dip in each bucket every month or every other month or however I could afford. Then for season two, because I cover season one, for season two, we're going to really delve into the personal finance. So I think that insurance is a very big and important thing. Even before you start dabbling in the stock market and thing, you really need to make sure that if anything happens to you, your family is covered. If you ever get sick or critically ill, your money is sure because those things are real. People might say, mm, you know, I'll, one last story. I had this client, this nice young couple that walked into my office one day. They have land to build a house. They want to build this house cash. 
with a combined salary of 22,000. No mortgage, right? They have about, I think, 100,000 saved. They have two kids, a two-year-old and a newborn. And they have credit cards amounting to like 17K. They like to vacation at least once for the year. And they have no intentions of cutting down their lifestyle to build this house. The house is going to cost them about half a million dollars to build. So I was like, oh, yeah. like, go live to sit down and do this maths. How will they intend to build this house with 100,000 start? 500,000 is the cost of the house. It's also in Paramin. So they, I mean, they have more than 10% down payment. Which is good, right? right? So they have a monthly income of 22, 22 combined. Combined. This is not after tax. Uh? Before tax. So this is After gross. tax is 17. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the credit card owing is 17. Okay, well, they can lay it off in one month. Yes. Right, and get rid of one mm-hmm. because they're building this house cash with well, two they, new bonds. They yeah, they're not taking it. No. It's all like cash. Okay, yeah. go on. So <laughs> that's what I realized. Okay, yeah, people really need, and they wanted one of their solutions because I asked them, I was like, well, how y'all intend to, you know, they were like, well, we plan to cut down on our expenses. And one of the expenses was to get rid of the insurance. That's not an expense. Exactly. So I realized, yeah, I need to do something and I need to do something quick. And one of the, the husband is a journalist. So of course he has to be at crime scenes and all these things. So I told them the story because my father was actually murdered. He went out to line with friends and they tried to rob them and he got shot and died. So it was very sudden, like literally in the space of a night, my life turned upside down. And I told her, I was like, listen to me, sweetheart, you have two young kids, a newborn and a two-year-old, a toddler. If anything happens to your husband while he's on the job, yeah, you might get some money, but money does last how long? You know, you have to be a little more realistic and getting rid of your insurance is not an expense, as you rightly said. They didn't want to get rid of credit cards because she want to keep up with her trips. I was like, no, sweetie. I was like, listen. <laughs> no, sweetie. She, she was like, you know how much people in Trinidad build house cash? I was like, did they tell you how many nights they ate bread and butter and water or bread and Ovaltine? No, because this is the side story people don't tell. They love to tell you they build a house cash. But did they tell you how many nights they had to go to bed hungry because formula still had to buy this and that and the other? So people need to get that little shot of reality. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a best friend, but I'm also going to be a worst enemy because I'm going to give it to you all good and proper. I'm going to be real and raw because that's the only way we're going to see change. Because I tell you, after that two hour long meeting with these clients, no sale came out of it. I met the, the husband and I was like, how is it going? He's like, well, we got rid of one credit card. I was like, great. He's like, the trip to Canada we was planning. We no longer doing that. And they've really tried to see how they could make some positive changes to their cash flows. And I told them, I was like, after six months, come in, let's do a review and let's see where the progress is. Because they, they should, the wife is adamant on the cash, which is fine. But your goal going to take a little longer and you, you should at least have 50% when you're undertaking that. Because, you know, construction goes into overrun, especially paramen, as they need a retaining wall, all those things that was not considered before. Retaining wall could be an expensive thing. Because yesterday somebody sent me that very expensive and how i knew they needed a retainer because when my family was building their home we needed one that we did not anticipate for and trust me that set back the house about a good three months because it takes a time to build it and it is very costly okay so season three 
season three is going to be getting to the meat of investing. So once we start the savings and we get that down back, we're going to start transforming that savings into wealth. So we're going to look at things like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, index funds. We're going to talk, touch a little bit on the options, the futures and the ETFs, because I know I'm going to have some people in the audience that are going to want to know about these things. We're going to do international stocks as well or international funds, I should say. And that's going to be season four. It's going to be all about, because I know I'm going to have the people that want to dabble. So we're going to literally go through all the definitions, how they work, all that in season three. And we're going to really press record, as you said, in season four on the international market where you'll more see future and options and stuff. Okay. You know, Shariel, so a lot of the local financial institutions, they'll put out a lot of content about you know these little articles a little video clip and there so this is what a bond is this is what a stock is this is how you invest in a stock come to our offices you know and all these things you know so how are you intend to make i mean i could hear it's in your personality right but how do you intend to make yours different yours make yours more engaged and make sure that people don't just see it under scroll pass Right. So you see how you just went all stiffy and uptight to say that? Because that's Did what, I do that? Yes, you did. <laughs> because that's what they do. They, I mean, I work in the industry. For a firm, this small man does not bring in any profits. And as I said, we reel and we roll. So they target the more sophisticated investors. We ain't going to go into no definition of a bond and use corporate big words. I am going to teach y'all what a bond is by using real life example that even my 11 year old brother could understand. And trust me, he has listened to me speak of investing and he knows because I believe to truly teach people something, you need to make it so simple that a five-year-old could understand. So that's one, because I have a lot of friends that try to read about these things online and they're like, you speak in a whole different language. So I'm going to try to make it as engaging. I'm going to use a lot of my personality to bring it out. I'm going to make it humorous. I'm going to make it relatable. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to have fun. You're going to cry too? Cry tears of joy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> when I start saving you money, you better be crying tears of joy. <laughs> you know, they say that people, you can tell that somebody has mastery of their feel of their knowledge base when they're able to explain it so that people can understand you might have working knowledge if you're kind of regurgitating the, te- the same technical yes, jargon exactly. that you read out or you heard or you somebody else taught you but if you're able to break it down and explain it so that a five-year-old can understand that shows that you really have a deep understanding a deep passion for it all right so shariel as we get ready to wrap up here and we look forward to your podcast so anything else you want to say before we wrap up and you stop recording and we listen to how it sounds yes coming from the ted talk yesterday One thing that I learned was to seize the opportunity and be prepared for it. Because had I not have all that content easy accessible on my phone, I would have missed a grand opportunity. So to everyone listening, I know it's not about personal finance, but seize the opportunity and be prepared for it. Don't let that chance pass you. And there you have it. Finance your future with Shariel Plowden. Subscribe to Crib and Power Lunch at crib and Power Lunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on Castbox, Google Podcasts, 
Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And with that, Shariel. Thank you for having me. Goodbye, Podcast World. Podcast World, Cabin Studios, we are out. Bye.